Man, it's great to have you guys here, packed house this morning, and uh, school must be in session, right? And uh, great to have you here, love it, excited to see what God's doing in this place. Here's the deal, we are starting a new sermon series today as we launch this new ministry year, all right? And it's more than just one series, we're going to connect three different sermon series together throughout this year, two of them in the fall, one of them in January to March, all right? So three different sermon series are going to be going on. Here's what we're going to accomplish. Here's our goal. Lord, I'm giving you my soul. Transform me. What needs to change? Take over. What needs to go? You're in charge. We're going to do it in three steps, all right? So first, who am I in Christ? What does it mean to find my identity in him? Who am I in Christ? And then the second, toxic. And what is this sin that's in me? And how do I identify what it is and what needs to go? Those are the fall. And then we get to January through, through March. Lord, how do I go after serving and worshiping you so that I can celebrate that identity, identify that tox- toxicity, and have you and your spirit work through me to transform me in a way that I could have never done on my own. That's where we're headed, man. This is going to be a huge year. Major throwdown. Are you ready to be transformed? Simple question. Real answer. Are you ready to be transformed? Some of you are like, I don't know, man. I just came to church today. I wasn't really expecting this. And uh, get ready. We're going after it. And so we're going to do something to try to help that out, all right? I've got a book we're going to hand out to you. Let's get that going right now. They're coming in. Every single person is going to take a book. Every single person. Who's going to take a book? Get ready. They're coming. And uh, they're coming from all areas. So we've got a plan that we're going to go after with these books. We really are asking you to take your Bible and then allow this to guide you as you walk through your Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. It's the source of information. That is going to be what changes our lives as the Holy Spirit uses the truth from there. And all of God's people said, we're going into His Word but this is going to be kind of navigating as we move along. So some prayer goals and make the name of Jesus Christ famous. Can we just say, never about feel-good moment, always about making Jesus Christ lifted up, all right? Our number one prayer, Lord, may you be worshipped as this place gets on fire for you. And uh, continuing down, grasp the greatness of my God to be uh, unified as a body, to drink deeply of an abundant joy in my God, to glorify God as I'm shaped by him, to identify what in me needs to be transformed, and then to repentantly hand that over, all of me, to him. Lord, take me. Lord, take this body. May you be glorified, all right? And then the plan for it on the right-hand side there, just at the bottom, there's the bullets. Attend the Sunday services. Here's my request. Consider as a family saying, we're committing to being here for every single Sunday during these, during these sermons. Let's get after this. And uh, let's make sure we're faithful and consistent in this and may God use this to change our lives. Regularly attending the Sunday service. uh, Attending your impact group. You heard Steve talk about the impact group. If you are not in an impact group, okay, if you are not in an impact group, then here's my request. Get signed up this fall. We're doing something very specific. We got Mike. Mike, why don't you stand up here? We We didn't plan this at all. What a nice shirt, huh? And uh, 
So Mike is our Impact Group's pastor. You're going to be talking to him. Thanks, man. You're going to be talking to him. There's a table out there. If you want to get signed up, you can register online. Get signed up. Get into a group. We got stuff going on. We're going to do all new groups here on Sunday night and Tuesday night, whichever one makes best sense for you. And you'll be talking that through with Mike and getting that set. We're looking to get this thing rocking. New people in groups. The other groups rocking where you're at in your homes. However you've met, keep that going. Let's get this thing going, okay? So make sure you get into an impact group for this fall. You don't want to miss out. And uh, what a great opportunity to get a taste of what small groups is like here at the church and be walking through this with us in the fall. And let's see what God does. All right? So sign up for impact groups. That's a big one as well. Um, All right. Now that I've lost my place, here we go. Uh, Jumping into the reading plan. Make sure you follow through the reading plan if you've got time. Hey, if you're already in another reading plan, I'm great with that. All right? Go through that then. That's fine. These uh, really aren't big readings, but follow through the reading plan. Throughout the rest of this week, it'll tie back to this Sunday through the rest of the week, and then Friday we'll look forward to the next Sunday. So follow that reading plan. It's all in here. And, uh, and then the last request, allow God to stir your heart. All right, I have a question. Does everybody have a book? Does anybody need a book? We good all over? Okay, don't skip out. Make sure you get a book. We want you to have one. And then bring this back every week with you. The outlines are in here. Go ahead and turn to page 10. So here's the deal. We have a lot of people counseling in our staff and uh, really even beyond staff with elders and, and small group leadership and the impact groups. And uh, we often run into this. As people are wrestling with what they're struggling through, whatever hurt it might be, whatever pain it might be, whatever um, sorrow might have happened, they wish they hadn't done something, whatever it might be, as we talk it through, I'm just telling you this, repeatedly they run into this problem. Where is God in this? What does this mean and what is God trying to say and who is he and who am I with him and what is God trying to accomplish and... We're going to be answering that in this series, right? And it applies whether you're wrestling with a struggle in sin or whether you're wrestling with some heartache of life or whether you're looking for some change that's going on or actually right now things are kicking and rocking and going well both for you personally, maybe in your business and and don't lose sight of God and the success either, okay? And so, Lord, who am I with you? Let's find our identity in Christ. We're going to be walking through the first half of Ephesians, Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, looking to answer that question, Lord, who am I with you, and how can I be celebrating you because of it, okay? So, that starts on page 10 with your outline. Let's just turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Everybody get your Bibles and flip to Ephesians chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible, we got ushers coming forward. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, they'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand, they'll get a Bible to you. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going. We're going to be answering the question, who am I? And it starts today with, I am chosen. God the Father at work in my life as I trust and believe in Jesus Christ. All right? And so the first point, praise your heavenly Father who has shared so much with you. Praise your heavenly Father who has shared so much with you. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. 
Praise be to God. Let's praise our Heavenly Father. That's the simple challenge. And as Paul is opening up this letter, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's like, hey, just so you know, I got a title. It's apostle. There were only a handful of those, right? So there were like 13 of the apostles. We, we had 12, and then you had Judas kind of step aside with his falling out, and then you had somebody step in to replace him, Matthias. And so now you've got the 13, and then Paul comes along. So there were 14 apostles total. 14 total. So when Paul says, I am an apostle, that's a big deal. Everybody just say, it's a big deal. Right? He's not just writing down some information. He's not like Paul, I am five foot four. Right? He's not just putting in. He might have been about that tall, by the way. Did you know that? They were a little smaller back then. And uh, we grow them big here in America. And uh, I don't know. And, uh, but he's like giving information about his authority. And uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. I am not self-appointed. Jesus Christ going after me. And by the will of God, I am actually rocked. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and yes, God is invested into it, and God has a say in it. So he's like, hey, just so you know, I've got some things to share in this letter, and you're going to want to hear them. God has placed me in authority. The word apostle, it means in charge over all of the church planting throughout all of the world. Apostle. Okay? And uh, it's like, God is invested in it, and here's who I'm writing to. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints who are in Ephesus. To the believers. Everybody say, that means saved. He's writing to the people who are saved, and he's like, here's some things you need to know, and it's really important that we grasp this is to those who are saved in Ephesus, right? We see this church name come up in Revelation in the seven letters to the seven churches, and there it says you've lost your first love, and uh, not right now. These guys are on fire, and they're excited, and there's some saints who are on fire for Jesus Christ, and it says, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. There's some great things going on in the church as Paul is writing, and he's like, here's some heavy things you need to know about who God is and how things are taking place. And to the saints who are at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, they're not wandering off because they heard the whims and the whispers of the world, and they got distracted into what might feel good. They're staying true to Jesus Christ, all right? And so he's writing to them. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace and uh, grace. It's hard to understand that word if we don't first understand where we actually stand before God without him. And what is sin? And what does it mean that I'm standing in rebellion against my God? Did you know that? Scripture says every single person without God in their lives, every single person standing in rebellion to him, going after their own thing. It's all about self and celebrating self and lifting self up and getting attention for self and getting the feel-good moments of self and sin, man. It's more than just a world about me. It actually says, I will not worship you. That's where we stand. Shaking a fist at God, making it much about me. That's where we stand without him in sin. And in need. And this God of the universe, who spoke it into existence and sustains it by his presence, goes down on one knee for you and for me. And he offers himself up as a sacrifice. That's your God. 
for you. Grace. Receiving what we do not deserve. Him pouring on what we have not earned. And in fact, quite the opposite. We've earned something quite the other, and yet God comes in and lavishes upon. And grace, our God is good, and our God is so worth serving as he pours on of himself. God is love. It's not God is loving, like sometimes here and there, whimsically. God is love, always expressing the center of who he is. And uh, in the midst of that, grace poured on. Praise be to God. And uh, guess what happens in our lives when we experience and taste the grace of God? Peace. And that's what he says next. The result of this grace poured in is peace. Man, this is the this sign of God at work in your life. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, it's the calm in the midst of any storm. I mean, let's be real. It's pretty easy to have peace when there is no storm. Right? The calm in the calm is normal. The calm in the midst of the storm Now, that's a sign of God at work, okay? And so we have grace pouring in and peace being lavished on by God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. What a huge privilege and blessing. All right, that's Paul's intro. He's like, get ready. I'm writing to you who are believers, and I got some things to share with you with authority. Now we get to verses 3 through 14, actually, and we're not going to cover all those today. We're just going to go through verse 6. But verses 3 through 14 is literally one sentence. This is a giant run-on sentence in the original language, all right? There's a lot of supporting clauses and sub-sub-supporting clauses. And so each of our translations, if you're looking at the English translation right now, actually breaks it down into typically three sentences. Some of you have four sentences, all right? And so it's broken it down into what can be understandable in the English and keeping things tied together closely for us. But 3 through 14 is all one sentence. And here's the cool part. He actually starts going through it. Look at verse 3. Look how it starts. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's going to build from there, man. Blessed be the God and Father. And it's going to grow. But he starts going into who is this God. And today we're going to look at the first few verses. And it's talking about God the Father and how he lavishes into our life. Then he's going to move into the next set of verses, 7 through 10, and he's going to talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and how he lavishes into our life. And then in the end, 11 through 14, and how he lavishes into our life, the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity at work in our lives. That's verses 3 through 14. We have a God we can celebrate, and our identity can be found in him. So that's where we're going to be digging in here now. Lord, who am I? Who am I in your presence? Here we go. He says, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Blessed be God. Uh, literally, uh, putting good words on your lips to speak about him. Celebrate your king. Make much of your God. And uh, may your lips celebrate him. May your hands and feet celebrate him. May God be honored and blessed as you work towards him. And uh, hang on. Are we saying that God's in need of something? And like he needs us to like say good things about him and otherwise he's like got hurt feelings or something? 
is God running around kind of weak and we're trying to shore him up? And everybody say something, about nice, something nice about God today. Otherwise, he might be a little hurt. And dude, that is not the point of this passage. Everybody say, not the point. I'm telling you, we're missing it if we make God the one in need. The one in need is us. And here's the deal. He pours on us in such a way that the natural response is to spill it out. Like, you are awesome, God. You are unbelievable. I I see what my God has done for me, and I'm not going to be quiet about it. My God will be praised. He has poured on me what I do not deserve, spiritual blessings that have rocked my world, and I will not stay quiet, and I will not get distracted. My God will be blessed. Man, that's our call. Are you in on blessing your God? Answer? Man, let's bless him with our words. Let's bless him with our actions. Let's lift it to our king because he's poured on us what we do not deserve. In fact, it says, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Like, bless him because he's blessed us. And uh, pour on him a thanks because he's poured on us what we could never deserve or earn. And a little twist on the words and a word play there to make it clear that we're kind of echoing a little bit of what God's done as he's poured into our life. Now pour it back into his. Just know this. We're the ones in need and we're glorifying him with all we've got. What a huge privilege. It says with every spiritual blessing. What, what spiritual blessings? And uh, That's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. He unveils that and rolls through that in the rest of these verses here in verses 3 through 14. All right. Huge deal. And uh, as we worship, it changes us. As we celebrate him, it rocks us. And, uh, if you were here last week as we talked through worship and being real to worship, uh, I'm telling you, you experienced something with us here as the whole place kind of came unglued at the end. Just a powerful, powerful time in prayer and worship. And uh, please Remember with me some of what went on there. And the, some of you who weren't here, man, get back and check it online. I'm telling you as we walk through what it means to worship our God and the challenge of calling out for him and crying out for him. And man, the worship at the end as we closed in that close song was powerful. Hands raised all over the place and people in tears. And we had people coming up afterwards like, dude, I've got like goosebumps. God's been moving in this place. And We can literally be experiencing that life-moving, heart-changing worship with him all the time. Lord, help me go after it with you with all I've got. May you be worshiped and celebrated. Anything and everything lifting you up. That's our first cry. All right? Praise his name. Second, cooperate with your father who chose you with plan and purpose. Cooperate with your Father who chose you with plan and purpose. And uh, He starts out here in verse 4. He says, uh, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Uh, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So the word even as, that, that's like, let me give you an example. That's what he's saying. So when we're like, just so you know, there's been this blessing that's been lavished out. Example, right? And now he leans into it. Even as uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And uh, this word chose, 
right? It literally means that the Father, God the Father, everybody say God the Father. God the Father working and in action literally chose, it means to reach out and to lift up having selected, to work with you, to choose and work with you. It means exactly what you'd think the word means, to choose when, look at the timing, before the foundations of the world. Before you ever existed, before there was things you were doing or not doing, way back when he was just in the midst of saying, I'm creating the world, I'm going on it, he's contemplating what he's going to be doing, he's choosing to work with you before the foundations of the world. Your father working with you. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's not sitting back going, boy, we'll see what they do, and if they come towards me, we'll figure something out. I don't. He's like, I'm with them, and I'm going to have specific impact with them. Now note this. It says he chose us in him, in Christ, okay? So God the Father working with God the Son to work and impact your life. Are you hearing that? And so he's literally saying that from the beginnings of time before it all began, trusting in Christ and working with him, that God was part of that. And all too often, we start living our life where we're like, it's all up to me. And I don't have a God with me. And I got to figure this thing out on my own. And, uh, I feel devastated and lost. And that, that is not what scripture teaches. God is with you. And the Father has a plan. And in fact, it says he chooses. All right? He's working with in a powerful way. And uh, you might be here today and you're like, I'm not sure if I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't even know if I know what that means. And so let me just be really clear in a couple of quick statements. It means that we're admitting very clearly, I'm in need. I stand before God in rebellion and I am in sin. Lord, I need to be forgiven. Admitting that. It means you believe that Jesus Christ, he is arisen from the dead. He is God Almighty and he is to be trusted. You believe that. Jesus Christ is your God, your solution. You admit and you believe. And then it also means, and you'll confess him as your Lord, putting him in charge. You've got my life. And, uh, are you there? Are you trusting him in that way? And uh, just so you know, if you are, like the Ephesian saints, it says, God the Father from eternity past working with you. He reached in and chose and is working with you. All right? It's a huge deal. Everybody just say it's a huge deal. It's a big deal. And so the simple question goes like this. Have you trusted him today? And if not, man, now's the time. Lean in. Hear the Holy Spirit moving. Hear him drawing. And respond. Trust in Jesus Christ and give him your all. All right? What a privilege we have to know him, to trust in him, to believe in him as Savior, and to realize that he actually was working with us before the foundations of the world. And uh, he's got a purpose here. The purpose is pretty clear. It says something. It says that we should be holy and blameless before him. That we should be holy and blameless before him. And uh, you get that? We've got a purpose. He's calling us to trust in him. He's calling us to believe in him. He's calling us to literally have more than just some faith moment, he's actually saying, I'm going to work in you, man. 
I'm going to bring you to a level you couldn't get to alone. You are going to be holy, meaning perfect, set apart, blameless. I am going to work in you what could never be done by you alone. That's God's plan. As he brings you in close, as he chooses to work with you from eternity past, he is seeking for you to be raised up, to be able to stand before him and say, holy and blameless, because of my God. Are you hearing me? All too many people want to stand up and say, holy and blameless, because of me. And uh, that's a failure. That is absolutely incorrect. That is not biblical. We are not achieving alone. We trust in our God and the Holy Spirit does the transforming. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. His glory pouring over me changes me from one degree of glory to the next. And this moment of standing before God holy and blameless, that's God at work in you, man. We are not claiming enough victory. You hearing me? We're not claiming enough victory. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for me. And this plan includes holiness and blamelessness. And there will be a progression this side of heaven, right? And uh, there can be a coming to look more like him. And then we are told very clearly in that moment of glorification where we all of a sudden are passing away, coming into heaven, perfection achieved finally. A hundred percent perfection is doable in eternity. And this side of heaven, there will be progress. There will be growth towards it. Simple question. Are you willing to cooperate with your God and make much of your God who has holiness as the plan and sharing of himself as the goal? Are you in? I'm telling you, if you're not, you're going to feel it pretty fast. You're going to know and you're going to start feeling yourself wanting to pull away from because this is a deep looking into our king and then a deep looking into ourself, and then a crying for God to take hold of what he needs to that I might be more like him. There is no more precious journey, no more self-satisfying uh, journey as you're satisfied in your God, no more God-glorifying journey than letting him have a hold of your soul. God, take hold what needs to change today that we might be holy and blameless. I just want to be really clear here on this. Um, he is saying that there be a choosing that the Father's doing. And uh, this is God at work in our lives, right? God's sovereignty at work. And I've talked this illustration before, but I'm just going to use it again. So everybody do this with me. Just imagine a pulley, a giant pulley up in the sky, all right? Up in heaven, there's this giant pulley, and we throw a rope over it, and the rope is now on either side of the pulley. You seeing it? Okay? And this side is God's sovereignty. And this side is man's responsibility, okay? And the two coming together in the midst of salvation and sanctification, yes, God is sovereign. He has this say and he is working. And yes, we do have responsibility in responding to him, in believing and confessing, in working with him and working out our salvation with fear and trembling. God is sovereign and we do have responsibility. And those two are true together. Okay, And so as you're wrestling with this passage and as you're seeing these words unfold, please hear me. God is sovereign. And that's what Paul is saying. 
He's like, bless your God. He is sovereign. He's in charge and he's got a plan. He's not dropping the man has responsibility. We'll get to that in Ephesians chapter 2. And he's going to talk about faith and he's going to talk about effectively belief and confession as Romans 10 says. And these two will play out side by side. But hear me, right now we're looking at God's sovereignty and God does have a say. He loves you and he's reaching into your life from eternity past and he's ready to rock your world. And all of God's people said, man, we must absolutely love that God's got a plan for us and he's ready to blow us away with it, right? And uh, so simple question for you. Um, do you trust Jesus Christ as your savior? Are you hearing him and seeing him and leaning on him? Okay, next question. Are you willing to reflect on him in charge? God is sovereign. He is over it all. And he is making an impact. From before the worlds began, he has chosen to work with you and God loves you. Hear me now. I don't know what your struggle is today, but you do. I don't know what your heartache is today, but you do. I don't know what your distraction is today, but you do. Are you ready to set those down? Turn to your king and say, you are God. You are my king. I am chosen and you are at work. And I'm ready to hear what you have to say. It's time to let your God lead. You will not believe how this changes your theology of suffering. You will not believe how this changes your theology of sanctification, of growth, to look more like him. This is everything. Let your God lead and watch him rock your world. All right? Yes, I am chosen. And, uh, are you trusting in your God? All right. Number three. Honor your father who predestined you to adoption through, the, through your brother, Jesus Christ. Honor your father who predestined you to adoption through your brother, Jesus Christ. Did you know that, that Jesus Christ is actually considered your brother? I'm just telling you, I don't like to say it very often because it just sounds a little small. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you there with me? Like, it's truth, though. God the Father, right? God the Son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to find out here, we're made his children as well. He's your big brother. He's the ultimate big brother of all time. Right? We better start throwing some adjectives on this thing so we don't belittle who Christ is. But he is awesome. And he is in the family. And you have a part in that family. Here we go. It says, uh, in love. In what? Yes, say it with more passion. In what? Love. I'm telling you. In love. Some of you are like, love. That doesn't look like love, right? In love, it brings a smile to our... God is lavishing on who he is. He can't wait to see you taste of his goodness and his greatness. God is sharing with you. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Predestined. This is a word that a lot of people don't like to deal with. And let's be honest, it only occurs a couple of times in scripture. But it does mean this, determined beforehand. 
Didn't we just see that a little bit before? Chosen before the foundations of the world. Predestined, determined beforehand. We have to at least let these words mean what they mean, right? Let it say what it says. And if that causes your mind to wrestle with some things, praise be to God, just know this. Here's Paul's point in this passage. He is not trying to give a treatise or full explanation of how salvation or sanctification works. He's saying, worship, man. That's what he's saying. May your God be seen as so big and so involved that your worship kicks up a notch. And uh, if this causes some questions to stir, great. But just know this. This is truth. Predestined us for what? What does it say here? What's that next word? Predestined for adoption. You're adopted into his family. You're not in his family, right? We're not just his kids naturally. We're his kids by adoption. And uh, we know of the word adoption a lot in America. And I love the push that's on for um, adopting children into homes, for fostering children and caring for them. Do you understand how much that's the heart of God? To be able to care for those in need. What a huge deal. And uh, it says that he's predestined us for adoption as sons. This word son here, he didn't use the word for little child. This is the word for grown up one. This is the one who receives the inheritance. He's like, I want to be clear. I'm using a word that says, you're a part of the family now. And what's mine is yours. Inheritance shared across. You have the kingdom of your king. And by the way, the kingdom is every single thing that exists everywhere, everywhere. That's your God's. And he's leaning in with you and saying, I'm king and I'm going to be sharing out. And yes, you have an inheritance with me as a son, as a daughter. So hear me, if you've trusted in Christ as savior, you're a daughter of the king. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as savior, you are a son of the king. You have been brought into the king's court. You have been clothed as the king would clothe you. And he is caring for you with all he's got. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Man, we need to grasp that with all of God. What a gift we have from our God that we can be adopted in. We have a lot of adoptions that have taken place in this church. And uh, I've learned a lot by talking with you as families and by seeing and watching God work through your families and got some on staff and, and uh, many of you in the church and it's just a sweet thing to watch as this little one is brought in and they've gone from a very hard circumstance to smiling, and to laughing, to growing. They begin to take on your mannerisms. Did you know that? They start to look like you as a family. They'll value what you value. They'll joke around the way you joke around. They will absolutely take on how you take things. They will begin to have your language. Some of you are like, we got to change things today. <laughs> and uh, Right? They will, though. These are your kids, man. And they will begin to look like you. And they will begin to value like you. And they will absolutely thrive because of you. That's adoption as you pour it on. And I have watched little ones brought in who are now older. And as you talk with them, you just have a sense of the peace in their soul as they have family. And uh, that 
is what Paul is calling all of us to. A sense of peace as we are in the family of God, cared for and protected, reached out to from before the worlds began with plan and purpose. He is choosing and working with us. God loves you. Blessed be the name of God. God reaches out to you. Blessed be the name of God. God lavishes on you through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. There is hope. Blessed be the name of God. That's an amazing privilege. He says, holy and blameless before him is the end result of him working with us. And then in love, he predestined us for this adoption that's going to lead to it through Jesus Christ. Please don't ever leave Jesus Christ out of it. Through Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to ask you this. While I say, please don't ever leave Jesus Christ out of it, please don't ever take away the fact that the Father is executing in verses 3 and 4. This is celebration of the Father. And he is working with and through the Son to make things happen. And it says, according to the purpose of his, the Father's will. Yes, Jesus Christ at work. Yes, the Father doing amazing things in your life. And now comes the big one. To the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. Just say it with me. To the praise of his glorious grace. Why does all this matter? To the praise of his glorious grace. We are going to lift our God up. He will be worshipped individually, as a family, as a corporate body. To the praise of the glory of his grace. That's what all this is about. My God does do work from before the foundations of the world. My God is vested into my life and yours before the foundations of the world. And hear me, to the praise of of the glory of his grace. May he be worshipped with all we've got. All right? He says at the end here, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. With which he has blessed us in Jesus Christ. That's who the beloved is. Through Jesus Christ, blessing on you, Father's will taking place as he works upon your life. That's an amazing privilege. Man, as we wrestle or suffer, know this. Your God loves you and he's got a plan. As we're wrestling through things, we have promises like Romans chapter 8 where he says he works all things together for good to them that love him. Please note it does not say he only gives good things. It says he works all things together for good. We might taste of hurt. This world is broken, and guess who broke it? We did. And let's not throw our fist up at God when this world is broken because of our sinfulness. Let's make sure we throw a fist up at ourselves, get down on our knees, and worship our God. That's the direction we need to head. Here's my simple question for you. I'm not sure where God's got you at today, but I guarantee you this. It's time for your worship to go up a notch. Because we all need to take it up a notch. Wherever we're at, it's time to take it up another notch. This ministry year is about blessed be 
God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the praise, the glory of his grace as he does a work in us, delivering us up holy and blameless before him. Nothing we could accomplish alone, but only what he can. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come on up, and as we go to a time of prayer here, let's take a few minutes, you with your God, to get this worship in order and get it going. All right? Let's go to prayer here. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you now, corporately as a body, Lord, packed to the walls in this place and ready to make much of your name. May you be celebrated. Father, we thank you and praise you that we have nothing without you, but we have everything with you. Lord, we come before you now. Hear our cries. You just take this moment. Let's start by thanking him, praising him, and blessing his name. That from eternity past, he's at work in your life. Worship your God.